We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Upon Further Review podcast. We're a day late, but trust me, it is going to be worth it. We are going to break down the Notre Dame-BYU game, Ryan. It took a while for them to get the film to us, but once they finally got to it, we were able to dive right in, and that's what we've kind of been spending our afternoon and evening doing. A lot of good stuff, Ryan, and not just good stuff like it's all good plays, but just a lot of good film, a lot of teaching film, some things I really liked, some things I felt better about after the game, some things I'm a little more concerned about after the game on one side of the ball. But uh, I, I think that this team continues to progress on offense. I think that's a positive defensively. There's a lot of good mixed in with some individual plays of just ugh. And one position group in potential, or in particular, that's going to have to get better. So, uh, this was a this was a quality opponent, quality win. There's some things that we're going to dive into, Ryan, and and we're going to start off with the offense. So let's just kind of dive right in. I think the first thing that I, you know, one of the things we do with, upon further view, Ryan, is just as we watch the film, what are some things we felt better about, or maybe didn't feel as good about now that we've dove into the film. I was more impressed with the play of the offensive line after I watched the film and it confirmed the the breakdown confirmed what we said, which was the run scheme in the first half, the play calling from a run game standpoint, right? In the first half, I, I didn't like, they were just running into some bad looks. They weren't doing things that, that I thought fit well, but even within that, when this offensive line really battled and got better movement on film than I thought they did live, uh, I, that's something that just, it just, oh, it was like four yards, five yards, four yards, five yards, four yards, five yards. And then eventually they were able to break a couple at the end. So I think that's a big thing for me just across the board. Nobody played bad. Uh, the one thing I'll say is they got to stop pulling Josh Lug as much as they did in the first half. That is not his game. They, it's not a surprise that the big play they had at the end of the game was Jarrett Patterson pulling, which is the only time I remember him pulling on that particular play. Every other time they ran it, it was to the left behind with Jer- with Jarrett, Josh Lug pulling. That's just not his game, man. But I thought across the board, everybody played well. Joe Walt is Joe Walt. I thought I think Jarrett Patterson's really coming in comfortably and nicely at guard. He played another good game. I thought Zeke Carell played a really good game, one of the better games he's had at Notre Dame. Josh Lug was solid, and 
know, you said to me before the show, I agree with you. I thought this was probably Blake Fisher's most consistently dominant game, uh, especially in the run game. So just as a whole, Ryan, I really liked what I saw from from the offensive line in this game. And we, we are, the pass pro was every bit as good as we as we thought it was Saturday night. But the run blocking is what I'm referring to here. The line as a whole, I thought, played a lot better. Yeah, I mean, Brian, you, the way you just quantified it, I think, says it perfectly, right? The the worst grade that you would get out is a solid player, right? Like, it was a solid across the board, and there was moments of fantastic and dominance. Like, that's what I kind of saw on film. I mean, we talked about it, right? When Joe Walt gets a little more physically mature from a strength perspective, kid's going to be a stud. I mean, not that, not that he already isn't very good, but he's mm-hmm. going to be an absolute stud. Blake Fisher, like you said, and I kind of talked about it a little after uh, on the postgame show. It seemed like it was his best game just kind of from a broadcast perspective. But I think that that did kind of I think it did kind of verify itself that he had a really good game. And then quietly, nobody's talking about this, Brian, because we only like to throw shade at him when he's not playing well. But last couple games, man, Zeke Carell playing good football overall for the yes. game, which is nice oh, yes. to see. Well, like I don't like to throw shade at Zeke. I think maybe. Maybe some of our chat said, do, said, but I, others, I like others like to throw shade. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you love drinking coffee every morning, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love, fresh to your home, and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor, and every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing. Whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrow's, every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado looking to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. 
Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash Irish. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish. You know, the thing The thing about Joe Walt, I think what Ryan is saying there, and I agree with is, he's just still young. And he's especially going against BYU's, you know, older guys. He's just not able to move guys as much as maybe an, an older guy will. But he's in such good position. I'll tell you, Ryan, watching the run game, there was one play early. It was the play where Logan Diggs had to spin out of a back. And it was on the first scoring drive. He had to spin out in the backfield. There was a blown assignment. I don't know who it was. It, it came between the center and right guard. I don't know who was supposed to pick that up. I don't know what that mistake was. Uh, so it was a mistake. I just don't want to say who because I don't I don't know who was supposed to block what. Outside of that, it was a really clean game up front. When they were missing blocks that were hurting the run game, it was on the perimeter. I thought the slot receiver blocking was really bad. I mean, just not good to the point where there's a couple runs. Like there was a run by Chris Tyree that if if the if Matt Salerno blocks the linebacker and he should have he was not hustling like he needed to if he goes down and blocks the linebacker and get just get, all he had to do was just kind of get in a guy's way Chris Tyree bounces that sucker outside that's where he wanted to go and he's got it he he's he might score but he just completely whiffs on it the guy runs around and he's got Tyree in space there was a couple other times where I thought the slot receiver blocking was bad and the tight end blocking was inconsistent Michael Mayer did not have a good game blocking Eli Raritan was was he struggled with his angles. There were just times where he was competing, Ryan, but he either didn't get enough width on an on an outside block, or he would go a little too a little too narrow on a on a down block, which allows the guy to get over top of him. That's stuff that'll get cleaned up. But I thought slot receiver blocking and tight end blocking were the two issues in the run game. If those two spots would have been better, you could add probably another thirty or forty rushing yards onto this this total at the end of the game. Yeah, now I agree with you, Brian. I think it's a it football, especially offensively, is such a collaborative effort, especially from a blocking assignment perspective. So it's just when you know you just need one person that isn't on the same page, and that kind of ruins the the uh, the success as long as far as like the overarching success, right? So I agree. I think that the slot position we got you got more you got some prototype productivity, excuse me, in the passing game, but the blocking needs to get a whole lot better tight end blocking man is just not great right now like it's not i mean eli raritan's done some really good yeah. stuff but just across the board it just hasn't been good so those are a couple <laughs> spots that absolutely need to get right if he doesn't now. have a good game if he doesn't have a good game the tight end blocking is not good i mean that's just the reality of it is is it's up to kind of eli raritan at this point in time but i did want to show up sort of my favorite play of the game and i thought just kind of when it all came together there was a couple interesting things about this ryan and and First of all, the long run to Audric Estime, if you go watch it again, and I don't know if you can see this in the TV copy, but you go look at all 20, he, he really didn't get touched. Nobody on the other team touched him. He kind of ran into some of his own guys, but they did such a good job of keeping a body on a body. And then the nose guard tries to come off of Zeke Carell to get to him, and Zeke just plants him, just throws him down and plants him. And they, they really didn't touch him. They were blo- trying to get through the blockers, but they couldn't get through, and then Audric just kind of bounces it out. And then the, my favorite play, however, and this is going to be the long run to, to Logan Diggs. I thought this was a such a really, really well done play, and I want to just kind of draw it up. So this was a play, and I don't know if it was – we're still trying to determine if this is just duo with a wrap and like a kick or if this is power O. 
and it, the footwork of the back is similar on those two runs. So I really can't tell, but it doesn't matter. It's a power-ish type of play, and I want to draw up kind of what happens here. So they're going to run – this is Logan Diggs right here. He's going to kind of come here and bounce this play out. This is where this thing goes. So here's what happens. They send Chris Tyree on a jet motion. Now what this jet motion did is this allowed – uh, there was a back, there was a backer out here and a backer out here that you can't see on this screen. Okay. And then what this motion does is it keeps this backer sort of frozen on the outside. And so he's kind of eyeing Chris Tyree like he has to. And so what happens here is on the back side of this play, so they're going to come, this play is going to go this, this is play side right here. Okay. So what happens is Z Carell's got a, a block back. He's got to secure the backside A gap because Jarrett Patterson is coming around. Okay, so Zeke's got to block back, and then Joe Walt's kind of got to do like a hinge block. He's got to make sure he protects the inside block, the inside gap, and then if he there's nobody there, then he comes back out. It's a gap hinge block there. He's doing that. Then you've got a double team here between Blake Fisher and, and Josh Lug, and basically they're working here to here. So Josh Lug and Blake Fisher are going to work from this D-tackle to this linebacker right here. That's their responsibility. And if he goes here, then Blake takes him, and then Josh comes off to the linebacker. If he goes here and this guy stays, then Blake drives, drives, and then gets up to the linebacker. And that's actually what happens on this particular play. So what happens on this play is they, they both step with power here, which I really liked, and then this D-tackle stayed on Josh Lug. When this linebacker came off, Blake came off and drilled him and drove him down the field. So it was a very, very well done uh, block there. And then what really makes this play happen, so Michael Mayer does a nice job of getting out here. This is one of the better blocks that he had in, in the game. He goes out there and, and blocks the linebacker that's off the screen. You can't see that linebacker here. And Jarrett Patterson wraps around. He stays really tight, and he blocks this guy out. So he is on the kickout block. And what happens is, is you got you got great you had a great seal back there by Zeke, so he did not let this nose get over. You had a great double team with movement, so they pushed these two guys out. And then, so when Jarrett does the kick out, because of the movement that Blake Fisher and Josh Lug got here, it creates a a a more inside run lane. So the run lane here is not here to here. The run lane ends up being like here and here. And then that's what happens on this play. And then a safety comes down. And at that point in time, it's basically about, okay, it's up to you, Logan Diggs, to make a guy miss. And because they got such great movement here with this block, and because Jarrett Patterson did such a good job on his kick out, what it did is that it was one of the few runs in the game, Ryan, where they were able to actually get the running back past the line of scrimmage without having to make a move. And so you get Logan Diggs with a full head of steam to the second level. And then once he got to the second level, he was able to make that safety miss. So it was an incredibly well executed play. One of the more, uh, one of the better executed plays of the game. I thought schematically, this made a lot of sense. They use motion uh, to kind of, to widen things out. And then by this point in time, the offensive line was just getting a push that we didn't see them getting a push on early in the game. So I thought that's really what, what opened this play up and why they were able to have so much success with this particular run, right? And it, it was nice to see a little decisiveness from Logan Diggs in this game, wasn't it, Brian? Like, it seemed like he was much mm-hmm. more than the last yeah. couple ga- – I mean, last game it was it was definitely heading in the right direction, but this game it just seemed like he was trusting what he saw and getting downhill, which was great to see, right? And I think that that was kind of exemplified by that run. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no nonsense approach in that, in that instance. It was get downhill, trust what you see, and explode the daylight. So it was a great play. 
Well, and the other thing too, Ryan, is there were times – I mean, he had some misreads in the game. There's a couple times he bounces when he's not supposed to bounce, but the reality is because he was decisive, he was still able to make plays on in those instances. So he wasn't late getting out to the bounce. You know, and that's all – look, backs are going to make misreads. I mean, that's just – that's part of football, right? They're just – they're they're going to do that. And so you just have to say, hey, look, this that's just the reality of it, right? You 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 prepare yourself for it and, you ha- and you're, you know, you're fine with it and you you deal with it and it's, it's, it is what it is. But it's one of those things where, for the most part, I thought he was more decisive than he had been. And I thought he did a really good job of um, just getting through the line and just running with authority – it's almost kind of like low. I think estimate at times is a little and Tyree at times get a little too out of control. Like estimate sometimes just bulls into the line and he doesn't really look like there was one time I thought he blew out Joe Alt's knee. He just kind of ran right in the back of his legs. And you're like, dude, you got to be a little bit more under control there. And at times in this game, tr- Tyree got a little bit out of control. I thought at times as well. And so, you know, you, you're, you, you want to, you know, got to be a little bit, a little bit smarter there on those particular plays. So, Ryan, the next play I want to talk about, I want to talk about Drew Pine's performance. And I thought, I thought when I watched the game on film, it was exactly what I thought about Drew's performance watching it live. And that is he made huge growth from start one to start three in his comfort in the pocket, his trust of his teammates, because he is getting time. He wasn't feeling rushed. And when he was rushed, he did what he needed to do to buy time. There was the one third down conversion where he kind of scrambles to the left and then throws it back across to Michael Mayer and who makes a great catch. I thought Drew's ball, the biggest thing for me, you know, his timing was better. He's, he was, was, you know, got third down, especially. I thought he did a great job of knowing where to go with the football. There are still some things that he has to get better at, which we'll talk about. And there was, there was a few missed opportunities that we're going to talk about that really kept BYU from, kept them from blowing BYU out. We'll talk about those. But his willingness to be aggressive as a thrower was there. And the other thing, too, is his ball placement was was not a strength of his last year. Decisiveness was. When the two games we saw, he was very quick to quick to decisions. He plays with a lot of confidence, plays a lot of poise. You know, he's he's aggressive throwing the football. But what I did not like from him as much last year or in the spring was and you and you saw this in the in the fall camp too is his ball placement wasn't great. I thought in North Carolina his ball ball placement got a lot better and in this game his ball placement was as good as it is. Now what I mean by that is there was the the th- there was a third down throw early to Michael Mayer and there's literally no one open in the traditional sense. I mean BYU did a great job covering it up so Drew just kind of takes a couple slide steps back and just throws the ball it was kind of like the throw to North Carolina, just throws it high on a line, right? Don't float it, but on a line at about eight, nine feet, and Mayer just goes out and out plays the guy for the ball. There were a lot of throws like that where I felt like, boy, if he doesn't get that ball right where he got it, that play doesn't work. And so work to be done there because he then missed on a Logan Diggs, you know, missed his ball placement was way off on the Logan Diggs uh, route on third down on the first drive. But overall, one of the biggest things that I like from Drew is his ball placement has really taken a jump here in these last couple games, and we saw that against BYU. Yep, quick, decisive, and accurate so far. Like That's how I would call the last two games, right? Like I think that he, for me, was you know just 
I think I think that like I kind of talked with Logan, I think Drew really trusted with what he was seeing on the field and he was putting the ball where he needed to put it, man. Like that's that's the point number one for a quarterback. That's the biggest job. So that's that's kind of what exemplified it for me. So just so everybody understands, we are having a little bit of a delay here with Ryan. So we're not quite sure why. So that's why the the pauses are happening. It's not Ryan uh, being in deep, deep thought about how he wants to properly respond. Uh, it's just that we're having, for some reason, a little bit of an issue with StreamYard. So um, that's pretty much what's happening here. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of, of that. So, Ryan, what we're going to do next is we are going to go to some of the throws that Drew Pine made that we really liked. And then we're going to go to some of the thing areas where he needs to get a lot better uh, in, in this game. So the first thing I want to do is this is the first touchdown pass from Drew Pine. And I want to kind of walk through why this play works. So first of all, you see Notre Dame is in a 13 personnel look. I loved this play call. And, and one of the things that I thought was better in this game, watching it after the fact, is I do believe Tommy Reese was conservative in this game. I thought a little bit too conservative. But I thought he did a, a much better job of mixing up the run pass out of the different personnel groupings in this game. And I thought, you know, there was obviously some issues we had about, you know, not using decoys better and not and maybe force the ball to Michael Mayer a little bit too much. But what I really liked was when he did draw up dropbacks, it was really well-designed stuff that I really liked. And you guys are going to see that in some of these plays. So this is the first touchdown pass to Michael Mayer. As you can see, they've got four D linemen here. And you've got now this is sort of an this is kind of like one of their linebackers, right? Linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. Well, actually, this one of these is the safety. I'm not quite sure which guy is the safety. This might have been him up there. But they're in a single high look, okay? So because it's 13 personnel, Notre Dame gets them down to where now you've got basically eight guys in the box, all right? And so what Notre Dame is running here is they're running a deep out cut with, uh, with Eli Raritan and then a little slide route here from, from Holden Stace which is a high low to the field. Okay. So you could go to, he could have gone to that. It wouldn't have been a great look, but what he does instead is he sees what they have backside. And what they have backside is Jaden Thomas is going to run a post route here, right at the safety. And Michael Mayer is going to run a wide fade up the sideline. So what happens on this particular play is because there's single high coverage, this is really the read that I think he needs to go with. Even if this cornerback runs with Mayer, Let's say they do a what what where they can hurt you is if you run that post, the safety takes the post and the corner stays and then opens up and runs with Mayer. All right, that's where BYU could hurt you schematically in this play. But even in that instance, you've got Michael Mayer up against a corner route or against a corner. I still like that matchup. Just throw it up and let him go get it. Okay. So what you see here from this particular play is Drew Pine gets his eyes right on the safety. You'll watch it and you watch it live. He just looks right at the safety, freezes the safety. Well, it's kind of not freezing him, but he's reading him. But he stay, keeps his eyes on the safety. The safety stays on the post, so the safety just pedals here. Once Pine sees that pedal and he sees that this guy doesn't get off the hash at all, then he knows he's going to have a one-on-one -on -one outside. Now, I don't think he anticipated the fact that he was going to be not covered, but the one-on-one -on -one is where you should have gone. So Mayer gets free of this guy. This defender just kind of sits, doesn't run with him. The cornerback drops back and stays on the post. You ended up having two guys taking the post right there. And then Drew reads it perfectly. He sees the safety on top. He goes here on that route, throws it up, and Mayer catches the football. So I liked the pre-snap read 
and I like the post-snap read on this particular play. I thought this really worked for Drew Pine. I thought this really worked for Notre Dame. So that was how uh, Notre Dame kind of got their first their first touchdown pass, and, and I thought it just a really well-designed scheme. I like the fact that they did it out of 13. 13, for those who, who may not remember, is three tight, one running back, three tight ends. So you've got a running back right here, and then you've got Holden Stace right there, who's a tight end. You've got Eli Raritan right here, who's a tight end, and then Michael Mayer backside. So I thought this was a really well-designed play. I thought this was a really uh, – we saw multiple pass plays for Notre Dame out of the 13 personnel look, which I think made that made it really effective. I thought that, that, that we uh, – and actually I think I have – uh, what this play looked like post snap. So yeah, so let's let's bring this up post snap, and you'll get a, a, a chance to see what I'm referring to. So you see the the deep route here by uh, uh, Raritan. You see Stace there. Okay, now you can see the safety is right here, so he doesn't get off the hash. And then this is the corner sticking with Jaden Thomas. Mayer keeps running, and this guy just kind of stops, and Mayer gets into the open spot here. So you can kind of see post snap what this play looked like and you can see why it worked for Notre Dame. So um, I, again, really like the scheme there, really like the play design. I like the play call. Uh, and, you know, they did a lot of things too. One of the other things I liked about the pass game in this particular contest too, everybody was, I thought that they did a really good job of throwing the ball in short yarded situations. I thought that was something where they, they, they were conservative with their game plan. Yes, they were. However, one thing that I did like about what they did is they mixed it up. Like I thought they did a really nice job of kind of coming out and second and two throwing the football, third and one throwing the football, third and two throwing the football, and and making sure that BYU knew like, hey, look, even if it's a running down, you can't just come out here and and, – you know, just cover us and, I mean, you know, play the run and and we're going to be a run-heavy team and those type of things. I thought they did a really nice job of making sure that they stayed honest – in this particular football game. So that was uh, that was how that one worked. So the second – we're going to bring up the second touchdown pass here. I'm going to walk you through the second touchdown pass. This is the touchdown to Jaden Thomas in the first half. Now, again, this was a short yardage situation. So what Notre Dame is going to do here, they're going to run a concept that they've run a lot of. And, again, Drew Pine sees pre-snap, he sees the look. So I believe that Drew that Drew determined pre-snap that he was going to throw the ball to Jaden Thomas, and that is the is well at least he was going to look for that, and I think that that was the correct read. So I want to just kind of walk you through how this how this particular play works, and walk you through why this this play worked well. So what happens here? So at the snap, you've got uh, down here at the bottom, you got Lorenzo Styles. He's going to run a hitch route. And then Jaden Thomas is running a wide fade right here. Now, we've seen this play quite a bit this year. We saw it against Ohio State. We saw it against Marshall. We've seen it several times. And it's a play that is especially good if you can get a team in cover one. Uh, and basically, that's what is what, what BYU is in here. Cover one means one deep guy here, and then you're in man-to-man everywhere else. This is clearly man coverage right here, okay? So what they're going to do is they're going to run that that route there, and then Michael Mayer is going to run an option route here, and that's going to occupy the defense. So as soon as Drew comes off the ball, he looks for looks at the safety, sees the safety that again does not get off that does not get off the middle. And so Drew knows he's got a one-on-one. The safety eventually comes over, but he was late. He knows he's got a one-on-one and he takes the shot. This is not a a play, Ryan, where it's like, oh wow, you did all these different routes and stuff like that. But it's it's a it was an opportunity to say, hey, when you get in cover one. 
you read that safety. If the safety does this, then you know this is the look you want to get, get to. Drew saw it. He was decisive with it, and he got the ball out and gave Jaden Thomas a chance to go make a play. It wasn't the greatest ball in the world, but it doesn't always have to be. And that's the key. You know, Jaden's got to do a little bit better job getting separation, but I thought that the that he made a great effort on the ball, something we haven't seen the receivers do a lot of so far this season. Yeah, I mean, it was really nice to see. I mean, the effort thing is the biggest thing that you talk about, right? It's with especially because Brian, I mean, two weeks ago we were talking about, you know, Logan Diggs was having a tough start to the season, and then he kind of has a game where you're like, okay, confidence builder, right? And Jaden Thomas needed one of those, and he had it mm-hmm. in this one, right? Like, he played that football like he deserved to win that ball in the air, and that's what you want to see from a wide receiver core right now that is struggling to the finer points of play in the position, creating separation, working through contact, doing those things, right? And seeing Jaden Thomas make a play like that, is a really nice confidence boost for your wide receiver room because he's one of the guys that is going to keep playing, man. And you got to play through some of the struggles mm-hmm. at times. And it was great to see him win a winning contested catch because he has the body to do it. So it was a nice sign to see. So the next play that we're going to draw up, Ryan, here is the third touchdown to Michael Mayer. And this is a, another play that I that I really liked, Ryan. I thought it was a really well-designed play. And honestly, there were two guys open. On this play, I don't know if you if you saw this when you broke it open. If he wanted to go to Jaden Thomas, he had Jaden Thomas open in the middle of the field as well. And so something that happened before the snap is they actually had Michael Mayer was was down here to start the snap. If you guys remember correctly, Mayer was actually in a two by two look to start, and then he went in motion. So this is the post motion look. Now, why does that matter? Because when they started that play, number one was right here. Okay, and so when Mayer went in motion, number one followed him across. What does that tell the quarterback? It's man. Okay, so that's what it tells me as I'm a quarterback is it's man covered. So now you you it's like, okay, which look do I like best? So now that it's man, then basically what you're doing is you're saying, okay, which which route do I like the best? Okay. So they had so what they did here is Mayer runs a climb route. So I believe Styles ran a cross on this play, correct, Ryan? I'm trying to yes. remember what yes, he, so. ran a, he ran across here and then Mayer ran a climb route here. And then Jaden mm-hmm. Thomas ran a deep end cut. So basically Drew Pine's got to just read the safety again. And that's what I love about single high coverage as a quarterback. If I'm getting cover one and I'm getting man with a single high safety, that's what I love to do. And I thought this was a really well-designed concept, Brian, because basically what is that safety going to do? You get Michael Mayer in a matchup against a guy that's about six feet tall six feet, six one at the most. And then you've got Jaden Thomas working in the middle of the field. And then, so what happened was, is then BYU triggers one of their linebackers. Okay. Which I thought in, in, and uh, I think this is the play where Audrey SMA had a great blitz pickup on this particular play as well. I, I think this is the one where he had a great blitz pickup. So what happens is, is the safety stays deep. Well, that's where I was kind of coming from, Ryan, because the safety just kind of dropped into the end zone. He could have come back to Jaden Thomas as well. Jaden was wide open on that particular play too. If if he didn't like the leverage that – let's say – so what happened was is Mayer kind of got past the, sa- the the guy that was covering him. Let's say the guy would have undercut his route and Drew didn't like the the ang- the leverage that he had on that particular that, that particular climb route. He could have easily come right back to Jaden Thomas right there. Like his eyes could have taken him right back to that. So schematically, I really like this. This is what we call as is sort of a levels concept, right? It's a high low concept, and it's a scheme that I really like. Uh, Braden Lindsay was taking the top off of the coverage out here, uh, and you know you can get a one on one there if you like it. 
but it wasn't it wasn't a great look for them. There were better looks here against man. So Ryan, I thought this was a really well designed scheme. You gave them plenty of time to throw the football. I, I, I really and obviously Drew Pine made a great throw on it. Michael Maker Mayer did a great play. So this was a this was another example of a really well designed, well executed play from the Notre Dame offense. Well, I love levels, Brian. I mean, you have to think about it, right? If you're if you're looking at it, you're trying to make it. You're manipulating a defender or making them guess wrong, right? If they bite too far up. Mm-hmm throw it behind him. If they, but if they stay too far back, you throw it in front of him. And that's what you saw here, right? Like you're manipulating that safety. The minute that he wasn't going to bite on the, the under the crosser from Michael Mayer, you knew that it was going to be wide open, right? Because you knew that Jane Thomas was going to occupy that play in the middle of the field. And it's a really nice job by Drew Pine as well. Being able to read that leverage, being able to read who's you're, you're playing higher, you're playing low and finding an easy walk. It ends up being an easy walk-in touchdown at that mm-hmm. point, because it's just so well-designed and credit to Tommy Reese on this one, Brian, love levels against single high coverage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, yep. that's awesome. There's no passing off. There's nothing like that guy is just cut out to dry in a levels concept. And it yep. is a no win situation. If we're being, if you read it correctly. I, and that's that was a puzzling thing in this game, Ryan, is they are not a good pass rushing team, yet they played a lot of man coverage for a team that doesn't get after the quarterback very well. And yep. and that's why Notre Dame guys, I mean, when they needed to play in the pass game, they were getting guys open. Even on plays where they missed, there were guys open. I mean, this is, this is not meant to be a criticism of Drew Pine, more of a critique of what he can do and what this offense can. He should have about 350 yards passing in this game. I mean, there's some yeah. big missed opportunities in this game, some him and some not him. I mean, because the the screen pass to Chris Tyree, that's that's on him. That's at least a 15, 20-yard gain. You know, and we'll go over some of the other plays that he missed. But I was puzzled by what BYU did defensively. I really was. And they did a lot of linebacker blitzing. And there was a, there was a couple things that I thought Tom Reese did a really nice job of. Uh, and and uh, and we have a play here. I'm, I'm trying to remember which play. I don't know if I brought it up, if I, I'm actually going to show up. But there was a play where they did a great job of using the running back motion to free up the middle of the field in order to get him going. And so like did it actually, I think it is the play that we're going to bring up now that I think about it. Uh, no, you know what it, it was? It was the seam throw. It was the seam throw to, um, to my, to Jaden Thomas is what it was. Mm. They did a great job. It was a two by two. Jane Thomas was in the slot. They did a great job of, of running the back out, which then kept that guy from, running with Jaden Thomas up the backside seam. That's the play it was because they ran a high low to the to the right side and they ran a post curl with a swing route to the left side. And then Jaden Thomas just kind of streaked right down the middle of the field and found the soft spot. And it was a really good use of and it was a check swing too, Ryan. Like you could see he was looking, nobody came, and then he and then he went outside. And they the what I liked about it too is they it was not a it was not a true play action. What teams will do sometimes is teams will run a play action, not so much to get a run fake, but to show up to to get a back to a certain side, pre-snap, but then get him to the other side with a scheme, with the with the scheme, with the blocking scheme. So mm-hmm. that's what teams you sometimes you say, why why are they running like a play action look there on like third and eleven? Because that's how the that's the protection they wanted to get into, and and so and this wasn't this particular play wasn't a third and eleven, but what they did was they had the back to the right, and then you couldn't you know. You're going to react a certain way to. I mean, linebackers, Ryan, you know this. They're going to make a call on what side the back is lined up, right? And yep. usually, when a back is to the right, he's going to he's going to you know inside out you know the mic blitz to that side. But by doing a play action, they actually ended up going to like a slide away from it, so he can now check the opposite side, and they could they they slid right into the the blitzers. 
and picked it up. And then when he saw the back from his side was coming, just swung out. And then that opened up the big play uh, opportunity there. But the one we're going to draw up is the long pass to Lorenzo Styles uh, that I believe was made early in the game. Now, this is an instance, Ryan, where they are actually in a too high look. BYU mm-hmm. is in a too high look. And we didn't see nearly enough of that, in my opinion. So on this particular play, you've got Lorenzo. I believe this is Lorenzo Styles. He's going to run a go route right here. Now, most likely you're not looking here because of the off coverage combined with the safety being outside the hash. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Like that's 100%. so now Lorenzo's job is just take the top off, right? Just just clear out that side. Okay. So then what you're going to have underneath it is you're going to have Michael Mayer running a crossing route here. And then Lorenzo Styles is kind of run, coming in right behind him. And then you've got another post dig here by Jaden Thomas. And then this is this is actually one where they had a check slide. So they did the same thing. They had him opposite the, the side he was going to block, which I thought was really effective. And so by doing this crossing route, this is one of the few times I felt like they, they used Mayer in a way that allowed something else to get open. Andrew looked for it. This was open a couple other times, but Drew didn't look for it. So what happens here is one of these, I think this backer blitz, I, I think that I didn't mark it down. I should have marked it down. One of the backers blitz and the other guy just kind of keyed on Mayer. And then that just opened up a, a big white hole here. So now this safety, if this safety plays it here, well, then you can kind of go to your one-on-one there, Right. Or you'll most likely have, you know, kind of look to the cross. But because that safety stayed back here to help protect with the vertical route, it really opened up. Actually, this was Styles. This was Braden Lindsay. Excuse me. Styles is, is right here. Styles, oops, that's a zero. Styles is right here. He was the number two guy. So he climbs and gets over top, Ryan. And it was the, one of three times that Notre Dame was able to get a cross field climb. And this is a route that you and I talked a lot about the last two weeks. And Notre Dame was really able to finally hit it. It wasn't necessarily a backside seam. It looked more to me like a climb route. Jaden Thomas's early route was more of a seam. This was more of a climb route, similar to what we saw from Michael Mayer. And so it's really the same scheme that we saw earlier for the touchdown. Well, it actually came later. The t- this, this play was before Mayer's third touchdown. It's a similar scheme, but you're just getting to it differently. You know, whereas earlier you're getting to it with, you know, Mayer is the number three and he runs the climb and your crawl and your mesh comes from here. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so so again, remember the play we drew up earlier. You had Mayer came here, Styles goes there, and then Jaden Thomas came here. Same concept. You're just getting to it with different players. This is what we've we've talked about in the past is you know, it's about trying to find different ways to run similar concepts a lot of different ways. Well, here. This time they're running a clear here, and now you've got that kind of coming from the same side. So very similar concept, but a different way to do it, and it really worked extremely well. And then Drew read it. He had to show some patience. He had to show a willingness to say, hey, look, I'm going to let this go and then bang it right behind. And this was another play, Ryan, and, and, and it's true also of the, the pass he threw to Jane Thomas where his ball placement was good. If he leads Lorenzo out there, he leads him right into the safety. So this is another instance where I thought he did a really nice job of putting the ball where it needed to be. Because sometimes you'll see a guy throw a pass and you're like, you know, why did he throw it like on him? Why didn't he lead the guy? Hey, do you need the cord? You say, why didn't he lead the guy? And then you're like, well, because if he let him, the guy gets drilled or gets picked off or the safety was there. I thought he did a really nice job of putting it right on the seam and throwing him into the open hole. I thought it was just another play, a really good play by Drew Pine. I think it's a really underrated thing for quarterbacks, Brian, and we talk about this a decent amount, but understanding how to – we always hear about reading leverage, right? Reading where a player is in 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 
coherence to a wide receiver. You know, are they on the back hip? Are they in the front hip? Are they behind? Are they down low? But I, I don't think people really understand exactly why that's so important. And it's to your point, right? It's he understands that safety is still deep. It's coming from depth a little bit. So if I put it on him, that's going to give him the ability to be catch, gather, and run instead of going directly into the safety. So I think that Drew Pine in this game for me just consistently, I thought he read leverage pretty well, and he and he threw to the proper leverage as well because I think you'll see a lot of quarterbacks, to your point, they'll throw to the wrong leverage a lot, and they'll throw the guy into coverage rather than letting him sit down in a open spot, to your point. Ryan, I did actually bring that play up. And so I did save that play, and I didn't think I did. So this is the this was the pass to Jaden Thomas that we talked about earlier. Similar concept, right? From what we talked, I just want to make sure I got. I wrote this one down. So you have a deep outcut here by this receiver, and if, I think that was Deion Colsey or Tobias Merriweather. I can't remember. I think it was Deion Colsey. And then so then this is the play where you had the you had the back the back going in a different direction. And so then what happens here is you have they they checked the back, so the, they moved the back. Right, the the play action was on the previous play. This was a different one. So they, they Jaden Thomas is kind of running a, a seam route there. You have a post curl here. Oh, that's the ugliest post curl I've ever drawn in my life. You have a post curl here, and then the check swing there by Chris Tyree, which occupies this guy. And then one of these guys came. I'm, I'm trying to see. Yeah, the mic came here, right? And so then uh, what happened was is this this route. These guys are playing these two. So you've got Mayer over here, right? So that's something that I, that I, that I, we were very critical of Tommy Reese not using Michael Mayer more as a decoy. And there were a couple plays that they should have done it. But what I saw when I broke the film down is there's a lot of times they use Michael Mayer formationally to then open things up in other instances. So what they're doing here is, is you're creating two things. Number one, if they don't play you correctly, then you've got Mayer on an outcut. Right. And he's just because this is May, Michael Mayer right here. So, you know, this guy is running a deep out. He could win the one on one. But the way BYU is playing, that route's probably not going to be there. Right. I, I didn't think that that route was really there a lot, especially a boundary throw. So then you've got Michael Mayer ISOed and he's got a quick out. You could throw it there. But what that does is that now look at how much is to the look at how much is to the boundary now. Right. Look at all the guys that are folk that are focused on the boundary now. Right. And so now you've got you've got a chance to get that behind. It was really well designed. BYU didn't play it great. Notre Dame was able to open it up and it was another big play. This is another one where Drew Pine put that sucker right in the seam, like put right, put it right on him and got it right on Jaden. He didn't try to throw it up and lead him into a hole. He put that thing right on him and let him catch it for a big game. And this is why one of the reasons why I really love Jaden Thomas in the slot. Like the touchdown yeah. pass, it was a great catch, but he, he was blanketed from a coverage yeah. standpoint. This is a great catch. This is the kind of stuff where he really gets open and really does a lot of damage. He he could have easily had 130 yards receiving in this game if the if the reads would have taken him there. Now that's not a criticism of Drew Pine because one of them was the touchdown to Mayer or that we just talked about. The read should have taken him to Jaden Thomas. My point was if the read would have taken him there, Jaden was open again. That's that's the the point that I'm making. But this was another another example, Ryan, of of Drew just a, a well designed scheme. And Drew just reading it out and getting the ball where it needs to get to. Because the, the thing about this play, Ryan, this was not his initial read. His initial read was the two-by-two two into the boundary. Yep. That was his initial read. And then when that got covered and he saw the third guy, that brought him back to the seam, and he went right to it and it was really, really well done. 
Brian, the, yeah, the safety on that play was he—he was sitting on the post, uh, the post just curl stayed there. Deep. Yeah, no, just, he okay, deep. so he was he just, just pedaled deep. Nap. Yeah, he pedaled gotcha. deep. Yeah, gotcha. so um, Braden Lindsay ran a lot of goes and posts in this game, and I think they—they they were really—they would always have usually when they would go cover one, that safety would be really like soft, uh, like coverage wise. Mm-hmm. They—they were not, they did not want to give up the big play, which you know we saw it on film. But, yeah, when they went single high, that safety stayed deep a lot, and Notre Dame took advantage of it a lot as well. For sure. So, and then there's one more one more play I want to get to here um, that there's a couple plays here that we want to get to that, that were not so good, right? So we drew up a couple things that we really liked, a couple things that we didn't necessarily like as much. Uh, some of them are just Drew making a bad decision, and some of them are Drew just not um, – you know, just, just locking in on Michael Mayer. And so that's kind of what I want to kind of get to here. I'll show, I'll show one example here of a play that we were talking about early in the game uh, that I thought really was just a, a golden opportunity for a big play. This was the first third down of the game, Ryan. Uh, if you remember correctly, this is the one where Drew scrambles and gets outside. And it was a play that we saw them run quite a bit. It was the it was the out, right? They had an out here. You had Mayer coming on across there, and look at these two guys, right? They were mm-hmm. doubling up Michael Mayer, and Drew was just locked in on Mayer. If he reads this and sees that backer come up and jump Mayer, then he's got to know that is wide open, wide open. Those are some of the young guy, you know, third start of your career mistakes that he's going to make. That now it's on tape. Now you see it. Now you know next time when I see those two linebackers bracketing him with a with a and it was a too high look and I see the safety pedaling I got to know I'm coming right back to that player of the middle. Now he missed it here, but he hit it two more times later. So it's not even necessarily about getting it on tape, Ryan. It's about he went back to it later in that game twice for big plays, and that's the kind of evolution you need to see from a quarterback. When a quarterback can make adjustments in game. That's really that's really showing you that this is a kid that that can take information, process it, make the make the correction, as opposed to needing to see it on film first. Then I don't make that same mistake next week. I thought that was an impressive thing to see. This kind of miss. I mean, this is a big miss, right? I mean, yeah. you're pinned deep. You got a guy wide open. Jaden catches that. You're out. You're getting at least out past the thirty yard line. Now you know. Now you're cooking a little bit, right? He misses mm-hmm. it and. They they get stopped, you know. That's that's the kind of mistake you can't have, right? In a big game, like it didn't hurt you against BYU, but you're not going to get a ton of opportunities to rip Clemson up, or Georgia, or Bama, or teams like that. You've got to be able to hit those plays when they come. But then I'm also going to so I'm, I can correct, I can be critical there, but then say I love the fact that he went back to that same route later in the game and it was there, and that's something yep. that I really liked about his performance from this game. Well, and the next step too, Brian, is outside of just being able to read, you know, it's bracket, let's work, let's climb up to to the next read a little bit. It's also the fact of like, hey, you're going to see on film that, well, the defense is going to see on film for next week that Michael Mayer was your guy, right? 11 catches out of 12, 12, complete, uh, 12 targets, and, right? And in the game looks at him a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and he does. Yeah. And next week though, when you're, you know, playing the next opponent, they're going to kind of look and they're going to say, hey, 
we know 87's the guy, right? Like that's where my attention needs to go to. And Drew needs to use that to his advantage because now those brackets are going to come more and more often because they're going to mm-hmm. see that on film and say, that's Drew's guy. That's the safety blanket. That's where he's going to go when when the going gets tough type of situation, right? The fact, though, that you have this type of outlook, I mean, because honestly, we had a ton of questions on the show earlier that were like, were any receivers open? I'm just like, yeah, there were, man. There were receivers open all day. It was This wasn't a... 87 and nothing type of situation, right? Like there were players open. So now Drew sees this to your, to your point, Brian, it's about a maturation. It's about the next step. So these are all learning opportunities, right? These things are all fixable. Uh, The one thing that was great, I think on both sides of the ball is most of the mistakes were mental mistakes, were mistakes of just, you know, just making an improper read, reacting a little slow. It's not a physical mistake, right? We know Drew can make that throw. Right. The fact that he None sees of the mistakes now, where his arm strength isn't good enough or his height isn't good enough or exactly. whatever the case may be. It was none of that. It was none yeah. of that. And that's yep. important. And it's, this is another example because people have said, oh, his, this play happened because he's only six feet tall. No, this play happened because he threw the ball where it shouldn't have gone. So this is the play. This is the uh, the interception that Notre Dame ran. You can see Notre Dame, again, is in a 12 personnel look. So you have a wide receiver here. Right, right receiver there, wide receiver there, and then you've got Holden Stace here as a tight end, and then Michael Mayer there. Okay, now this is another time where this is what hurt them on this particular play is he locked in on Drew Pine, or I mean on Michael Mayer. So you get a runoff here by this guy, which takes the safety and the corner out. Your read here is this: so you're running a slide route with Holden Stace. It was more, Ryan, probably more of an arrow. Right, that I, I kind of more of an arrow than a slide, I would say. There, sort of an arrow route where he's just kind of coming right here, and then you've got an option route by Michael Mayer. Now, the option route is essentially Mayer is going to leverage this guy. Okay, so Mayer's working off of this guy. If this guy plays him inside, he works out, and then Drew's eyes have got to tell him from here to here based off reading that guy. So, his read key, I should probably show this to begin. His read key, in my opinion, on this particular throw is here. Now, the reason it's here is because. This route is done, okay? Cover two, this particular route, this guy is this far off the hash. They've got that particular route covered, okay? You could do a hole throw maybe backed up, Ryan, but I don't know if I love a hole throw at the 26-yard line far hash, right? So that plays out. Now, maybe if Trevor Lawrence is their quarterback or C.J. Stroud is their quarterback, maybe. There aren't many quarterbacks can make that throw, nor should you try to make that throw based on the pre-snap alignment. So they run that off here. So now your read is the flat defender, okay, or the hook curl guy, depending on what your route is. Okay, so the or excuse me, depending on what the coverage is. So at the snap of the ball, you get an arrow route here, and then Mayer's working the option here. Now what happens is, is this guy sticks on Mayer, and this guy sticks on Mayer. No, actually, this guy, excuse me, this guy comes. And then now Mayor, the reason Mayor goes inside is because when he releases, he sees this guy come and this guy's eyeing him. So Mayor works inside. This guy comes back in. That's the guy that we thought would have picked it off anyway, even if Drew doesn't get the ball tipped. And what you'll find is, Ryan, at the snap of the ball, the cornerback open and ran there and and Holden Stace is wide open on a slide. Now, what this was is this is a, a third, a quarterback making his third start in a pressure-packed moment, saying, I'm going to my dude. And sometimes that's okay. But in this particular route, like, that's okay if you're running a wide fade and you know you're getting a one-on-one. I don't care how close he's covered. You throw the ball to 87. 
on this type of concept though, Ryan, where you're basically running your option. I mean, it's basically, it's Y option is basically, it's all it is, right? This is an old, this is a play's been around since I was playing football, right? It's just Y option, right? It's a good scheme in a short yardage situation. And instead this is, but this is not one where you can just say, I'm throwing it to my dude. This is not the area you want to do that in my opinion. So this is a mental mistake. It costs them. It costs them big, right? These are not the mistakes that you can make. However, again, as you, as we said, now it's on film. Now you see it. Now you learn, you know what, this is why I can't just lock in on 87, no matter what. Uh, But this was another one of the missed opportunities that I thought we saw in this particular game. Right. Well, and, and I agree completely with the just the simple start of, hey, that Sam Backer or that Rover, whatever that position is in their defense, right? Like that's the guy that you're reading on this play. The minute that that guy occupies Mayer and forces him back inside, Brian, my thought process is my eyes are now going to the Mike linebacker. And like you said, even if he blitzes, my next thought process, and this happens in like bang, 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 right? But when I see a Mike linebacker blitzing, my mind goes, they're not going to leave the middle of the field wide open. There's going to be somebody to replace him. Where's that replacement going to come from? That replacement comes from that backside linebacker being able to come over. So if it's read properly, I mean, honestly, as soon as I see that Mayer's got inside, as soon as that linebacker or that rover, whatever he is, just kind of lets him take him inside and lets him, you know, lets him take the inside leverage. My mind has to go like that guy guessed wrong. I'm going to guess right now, right? Like that guy made a mistake because you're, this is how defense. This is how offense works. You're usually in this type of situation, wherever they defender doesn't go, that's where I throw. Like it's just easy, mm-hmm. man. Like you make the defender guess wrong on this play. He's clearly eyeing Meyer up. Hit the hit the uh, the little arrow route or the flat route, whatever you want to call that thing to hold and stays. It's easy. It's like taking money at that point. Yep. I you know for me the way that I'm teaching this Ryan in this particular look. Is I'm I'm reading this guy for this is my one, this is my two. Now the only thing that would have taken that away is if at the snap of the ball this guy goes here and that cornerback's squatting. Now you're in a bit of a predicament, right? Now you're like, okay, that's the that's the ideal coverage against this, right? So an ideal coverage against against Y option in this particular instance is to bracket Mayer with, on the option, which they did, and then have the corner squat, which they did not do. Now, so yep. either this guy or this guy made a mistake. I think it was, I think it was the corner, because I don't think they're blitzing that guy and then leaving my mayor to do all this stuff here with no help. I, I don't right. think that's what they were going to do. So that's what Drew's got to see. He's got to get that ball out there again. It's it's one of the correctable things to your point, Ryan. I think that was a great point you made. It was a correctable thing that they're going to have to – that he's going to have to correct. But but we saw him make corrections in the game. And I think that's the thing that I was really impressed with when I saw it because, you know, when we're breaking it down, I'm like, man, you can't miss this. You can't miss this. That's a bad read. But then you see him get that opportunity later, and he reads it well and gets the ball out for Lorenzo, gets the ball out to to Jaden. And those the, – the one to Lorenzo – was it the one to Lorenzo the one to Jaden where the window wasn't really that big? I mean, I he think had to it was put Jayden. that thing out on the line. The one, and that was yeah. late in the game. That was later in the game. So he had to put – I mean, it wasn't like a a really, really tight window, but it was like he had to get that thing on him. And those Mm -hmm. are the things that you really like to see uh, from your quarterback in in a game like this, Ryan. No no doubt about it. Yep. 
No, it was really, I mean, again, we're, we're nitpicking a couple throws in a game that I thought Drew Pine played really well, man, for the second straight yeah. game. I thought he did a lot of really good stuff. Yeah. So there's always room for improvement. We know that every single position, every player has plays that they want to get back. Drew is the same. But again, another yeah. game where you start feeling better about how Drew yeah. is maturing, how he's developing. Because to your point, Brian, he is making up for those mistakes later in the game. Like they're running similar concepts and then he's making the proper read. He's doing things that he wasn't doing before. He's clearly learning from his mistakes at this point. The, the biggest takeaway for me that he's got to fix. And I know it's tempting because how good he is. He's got us not locking on mayor as much as he did. Yeah. You were able to get away with it against BYU because they just didn't have the athletes. When, when you played Clemson in a month, they're going to have Trenton Simpson and Barrett Carter they're going to have some yes. guys that got a little bit more speed and a little bit more length to say, hey, look, you you can't do that. You've got to take the opening. But that'll be his, what, seventh start? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't expect him to make those same mistakes in those moments. And so that's why this was a big game for him and a big opportunity, not just big game in far, as far as how he played, but you're in a huge stadium with a really loud crowd against a ranked opponent. you got to kind of work that out of your system a little bit. So now when yep. he gets heads back home in, in November – and you're going to have a road game against a team that's currently ranked here in about three weeks, too, that's going to be similar to that. So he'll be a little bit more tested for those moments when he gets a crack at it against Clemson. Absolutely. So, Ryan, let's talk a little bit about the Notre Dame defense and kind of what we saw from, from this game is big picture, a lot of really good mixed mm-hmm. in with some really bad and that's why statistically you can shut down a really good offense. I mean, they held BYU two touchdowns below their scoring average. And one of their touchdowns was set up by a long punt return. And you held Jaron Hall to a, his career lowest number of completions with nine. His career lowest, uh, career low in completion percentage, which was under 50. Career low in yards as a starter at 120. And I think it was like his third or fourth worst yards per attempt game, and yet you're still – late in the game, it, they got a chance to make a play because of the big mistakes. And that's yeah. the thing. That's the same case against North Carolina. Notre Dame is, I will argue, three plays away on defense from blowing out North Carolina, like 52-17, to 17, and from blowing out BYU. We said something incorrect in the show on Sunday Saturday night. We said that the draw happened when they were up 25 to 6. They were actually up 25 to 13 at that time because the touchdown pass to Cody Epps happened before that. That mistake mm-hmm. on third and 17 allowed them to go down and make it 25 to 20. The principle still stands because if you shut them down there and make a stop, you're punting it, you're getting the ball near midfield. Your offense has been rolling pretty good. You know, it's been on a pretty good rhythm here. You've got a chance to now put it away 30, 32 to 13, that time in the game, ball game's over, right? Yeah. So it's that stuff that's got to get cleaned up. The good news is they are four plays away from blowing teams out. The bad news is, is this is the second game in a row they've allowed those things to happen. Because I'm, I'm not even taking away the Cody Epps play. I'm allowing the Cody Epps play to happen still. Because those, those things are going to happen. You know, It's not okay, we're going to draw that play up. But you're going to give up some big plays at times to good teams. It's the dumb plays, like the third and 17 draw, that'll that'll get you, that you just can't make those mistakes. It's the blown coverage against UNC. It's those type of things that you're just like, yeah, you can't make those mistakes. That's the stuff that frustrates you. But there is one position, however, that is consistently playing less than what all the other position groups are 
on just a snap by snap basis. And that's the linebacker position. And I know that's where we're going to start. So you tell me, Ryan, you, I want to let you kind of do, I talked a lot about the offense. This is going to be kind of your time. Just let me know what plays you want me to bring up and, uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. So I'll be your assistant here. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I could just go from like kind of the wide scope for a second, just kind of reiterate a couple of things you said, right. This is, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's not. Notre Dame held them to 14 points below their season average and Jared Hall to a very forgettable day. And they could play a whole lot better, man. Like it was not, it was not nearly as good as Notre Dame can play. So when you kind of put all that together, you're kind of like, wow, Notre Dame can be really good. It's just the simple fact, man, of we're going to start with the linebackers. Like you said, Brian, this position group is one. And I talked about this on Saturday night and I was hoping honestly that I was going to kind of have a change of heart a little bit in the sense of like, hey, maybe it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was, right? Like to take a look at the film, maybe, you know, I was nitpicking a little too hard. Maybe I was being a little over the top. And I'll be frank, I wasn't. It was bad, man. Mm -hmm. Like it was just not good linebacker play. I mean, it was across the board too. It wasn't one football player just, you know, making every mistake and then a couple other guys kind of overshadowed and made up for it. Like, it wasn't. I mean, Jack Kaiser, I thought, was the best linebacker on the day, but he made mistakes, right? J.D. Mm-hmm. Bertrand, when he came in the football game in the second half, and I feel like he became the whipping boy for a lot of people in the chat. Oh, We're yeah. like, oh, as soon as as soon as soon J.D. came in, it was it was downhill from there. No, nah, folks, it really wasn't, man. Like, the run game they stuff were running in the, on first, in the half, first half, too, man. Yeah. yeah. They exactly. rushed for 44 yeah. yards in the first quarter. 44 yards in the first quarter against Notre Dame. JD wasn't no. in there for that. No, and, and there's going to be a couple plays that we're going to show that was, I mean, I think maybe three or four of the plays that I picked out for tonight were first half plays when things were mm-hmm. looking like they were going well, right? But it's the simple fact of like, hey, what, against BYU, this stuff might fly, right? But when you get to the Clemsons, when the Will Shipleys of the world, when you get to USC's yeah. with, the, with the Travis Dyes oh, of the world, yeah. This is going to be different, man. It's going to be yeah. different. So, I mean, I think we should start with the good, though, right, Brian? I think the good of right. it is is that when Notre Dame's linebackers were playing under control and being very, very kind of, I don't call it one note, but being having a little bit of less responsibility and having a yeah. little bit of departmentalized responsibility, yeah. it was pretty good. Yeah. And one of the first plays I want to talk about was Bo Bauer near the goal line, which I thought was a tremendous tremendous play for him and a tremendous play for the defense in general so we're gonna have this this is pre-snap obviously right we're on the goal line and, and, and real quick Ryan this is why we said yeah. after the show that Notre Dame should start telling their linebackers they're always in third and one at the <laughs> you know at third and goal because when they, when they that we they are hard to score on running the football in the yes. red zone they are and linebackers are a big reason for that because they just go Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the coaching staff needs to look at is why are they so good there, but so terrible in between the 20s? Well, right. Well, I'll, I'll, so, I'll tell you why it is on this yeah. play, at least. Right. Yeah. The, so, what we have here is that we have Gabriel Rubio and Chris Smith occupying both A gaps here. They're both on the outside shoulder of the set of the Well, Rubio's on the outside shoulder. Chris Smith is in it, is in a one on the, on the guard. But either way, they're still occupying. The A-gaps, why are they doing that, folks? It's very simple. You want to have the center and both guards have to worry about two players. So you have a three-on-two blocking assignment, which allows number 52, who is Bo Bauer, to have an easy scrape. So they actually run, if we see from a defensive perspective, this is going to be strong left because we see a two tight ends to the left side here. 
from a defense perspective. What's going to happen is that they actually are going to run inside zone weak side here, where it's going to go to the B, end up going to the B gap. What happens is is that Rubio and Chris Smith do a fantastic job occupying their blockers, stalling the momentum at the point of attack. There's no movement gained at all. And it's going to be a really easy, simplistic read for Bo Bauer. Because one thing that Bo does good, man, when he has clear vision and he's just getting downhill, Bo Bauer's a pretty good football player. And this is what we saw from this play, Brian. So this was the pre-snap. We also have the post-snap view. And it was one thing I want to really say about the defensive ends in on the goal line two, to your point. Isaiah Foskey against North Carolina was an absolute animal near the goal line, Brian, like locking out, working the point of attack, and setting a firm edge. Riley Mills crashes. Look at that right there. You can see, oh man, look at that massive humanity there in the middle, man. Two guys take up three blockers. Riley Mills does a great job from the backside, squeezing down as well. You have a couple players on the left side. Can you do me a favor? Can you explain why this right here is so important? against Carolina and on this play here. Can you yeah. can you just explain why that's so important? Yeah, absolutely. So you see uh, the player that Brian has circled there is Isaiah Foskey. So what Isaiah has done here is we always talk about his arm length, right? Why does arm length matter? That matters right here. He's able to get inside positioning on this guard, and he absolutely presses him. And what he does is that he is able to keep his leverage outside on him. Where now this running back, if he wants to spill this outside, hey, I got Isaiah Foskey right there, nothing. I got Maris Loifel doing a good job there to set the edge on Blake Freelance. There is nobody, no way that you are going to be able to work that outside inside zone, excuse me, to that B or that C gap because you have players occupying every gap. So Bo Bauer given an easy A gap. And it makes a, I mean, if you remember this, this was third and goal on their first touchdown. They hit Cody Epps on that yeah. little, you know, they ran the, the motion and ran him back out real mm-hmm. quick. It's, you know, it's almost like a on natural the next pick play, type right. of thing. Yeah. But you saw, again, when Bo Bauer has clear vision, man, and when the defensive line does their job, the linebackers have traits that you can work with. I just think, again, we talked about it against North Carolina need to really start asking linebackers more consistently to do things that they're comfortable with. Because this is what's something that Bo can do well. And if you remember this play, Bo stuck this running back in his tracks. They there was were, they nothing went backwards. on that play. Yeah, they yes. went backwards. And I and I brought that other clip up because I wanted to show people where the ball was at the snap. It was mm-hmm. just inside the one-yard line. They snapped the next play from the two yep. because he knocked them in the backfield. And that's the other thing, too, is, is it's not just about, you know, it getting blocked up correctly. These are called for, this is why we call, this is called force, right? Mm-hmm. They are, yep. you're the edge players, either they're either force players or spill players to make it as simple as possible. You're either forcing yep. it back inside or spilling it outside. In this instance, they're force players. They both do a great job here. And as you said, Bo absolutely cleans it up. But here's the other thing too. I've seen a lot of linebackers. Wasn't that Brooks? Wasn't that Brooks playing that Ryan? Yes. Wasn't was. he the yep. runner? He's 230 yep. pounds. Yep, big kid. I've seen a lot of linebackers step into that hole. This is the final thing that I want to add to it, Ryan, because Ryan explained it perfectly. I've seen a lot of linebackers step into a hole like that against a 230-pound running back, and it's still a touchdown. Yep. And that's the thing about Bo is he didn't get into the hole and wait. He got into the hole and attacked, and that was a really important thing, right? Because if you wait, he's not he's driving you in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Flat, and Or if you go high, Bo it just was like a missile, just kind of drove right through that guy, went low and drive right through that guy for a, for a huge, huge play for Notre Dame, right? Yeah.
Yep. And, and I mean, so there was some pretty good linebacker plays that were just kind of mixed in throughout folks. Like this was one that I think really exemplified because again, I think that there's a simplification or a departmentalization, whatever word you want to use for these linebackers. Like we saw against North Carolina, for instance, when Maris Loifau was asked to do kind of one job, right? Work in space, use his athleticism, play pretty well. Bo Bauer on this play made a nice football play. Jack Kaiser, I thought played more confidently in this game. But the matter of fact, Brian, is that like this is by far, and I, I want to know if you disagree with this, but on an offensive and defensive perspective, this is the position that needs to get a whole lot better. Maybe wide oh, receivers in that conversation with them. Yeah, but see, but- no, I'm not putting the receivers there because the, we've talked all year. The receivers, you and I know you and Sean talked about this today. We've said it plenty of times. There have been opportunities for the receivers to make plays. They just ball didn't yep. come their way, right? They have not played great, but they have not played as bad as their numbers represent. The linebackers have played every bit as bad as as their numbers and every other thing represents. This is the way you're talking about. Look at Riley Mills' crashness because, like, as you said, there was an inside zone. They completely stopped the line there. There was nowhere to go, nowhere to go. I thought Riley played a, a – I thought the I thought the ends pl- played a pretty good game here against mm-hmm. the run. At times, I thought Nana in the first half was not as good. I thought in the second half, Nana was a lot was was a little better setting the edge. Uh, he had a he, he did a great job of it on the fourth down stop at the end of the game. I mean, yes, Jason Adamiola yep. made the play, but Nana had a great edge set on that particular play. Ryan sure did. I thought it. Yeah, not it, it was in Brian. I mean, I think consistently, like you said, the defensive ends I thought set a pretty firm edge for the most part, right? I mean, you mentioned Nana, mm-hmm. and I thought Nana got kind of out leveraged a little bit to the outside of points, yep. but I thought Foskey did a nice job. I thought Riley Mills did a nice job. I thought Justin Adamiola did a nice job yep. setting firm edges in this football game, and. Not I did it from time to time, too. It was just a little more yeah, consistent. A little more consistent. I think Brian – But he did it when it mattered most, Ryan. That's the yes, thing. It's like, look, if you're going to screw something up, it's like Drew Pine. Like, yeah, you, you made some throws, but he you made the mistakes. But what did he do the next time You when he had those chances? He, he came back and made those plays. 100%. So, 100%. As long as you're showing internal growth and, and right. being able to make up for those mistakes, you, I could work with you, man. Like, no one's perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean – just it's just the world that we live in, right? Like nobody is going right. to make the right decision every single time. But the growth factor is the biggest thing for me. But I I think that Brian, like again, I, I don't want to get super negative here, but I think we should show a couple of these linebacker plays um, that I I'm wasn't so bringing much. this next one up. Yeah. So okay. This is a okay. So it's a light box here. Okay. Which it, first and foremost, I'm kind of like I don't understand exactly why we have a light box. We're working in eleven personnel, so obviously they have they have. Pulled a, a guy out of the box here. So we have four down linemen, Jason Adamalola, Gabriel Rubio, and two defensive ends. Looks like uh, Justin Adamalola and Nana Safa Mensa to the wide side of the field, if I have that correct. That is the Viper. Yep. Mm-hmm. Brian is, yeah. is um, the number. The numbers down. are here. The yep. numbers are right here, Ryan. So yeah, they are, they are to the gotcha. short side. Yep. So yep. you have a single linebacker in the game here, which is, of course, Maris Loifau. And so immediately, Brian, I'm looking at this, right? We're, we're, we're a gap short for, um, back, backside in this play, right? If to the left side of the field, because you have a nose guard that's occupying talking a here or here, gap. which come on, looking from the Rubio left side, side. From the defensive yep. side. Okay. So yep. Okay. Defense is left. Excuse me. So we have Gabriel. Dude, you know, Rubio I'm an offensive have, guy. So I'm always, I know, I know <laughs> now you're, you're the other way. Bad, bad. It used to drive my, my coaches bad. crazy, man. Cause I used to draw up the plays and I would draw from a defensive yeah. perspective. Like, no, you got to draw that from an offensive perspective. No, I don't. It was the no, hardest I thing anyway. I had to do my first year as a coach was drawing up the cards. 
Because yeah. I would always draw it from the offense. And like, dude, you're you're running the scout team defense. You got to draw it up from <laughs> exactly. That was the same, the same problem, man. I had the same exact problem, which is that's really funny. But to the defenses left here, you have Gabriel Rubio, who is in an A gap. That he's an A gap defender there. You have Nano Safamensa, who's the defensive end at the top, and he has a C gap player. What you right now, I tells me. You're a gap short to the left side there. You have no player that is responsible for B. I'm I'm assuming that there's going to be a safety there late to fill, but either way, you are out leveraged to that side, which is not a great place to be. On the right side, you're okay. You have a Justin Adam Alola who is playing a head-up technique on the tight end, so he's basically two-gapping to his side, and you're going to have a Jason Adam Alola who's a B-gap player, and then you're going to have, it looks like Benjamin Morrison, who's going to mm-hmm. end up being the contained player outside. And you have Maris Loifau, who is the A-gap player. So you're a guy front side, Brian, which makes this play equally as frustrating to me that this happened this way. Okay? We're going to pull Pulling up the up front side clip. So yep. basically what happens here is they run. We're going to get the play up. They basically are running inside zone where <sighs> – I, I just, I mean, I'm sorry. They were not running inside zone. So they were pulling a guard that was originally on. So if I'm the defensive side, it was the right guard, uh, the left guard that was pulling to his right to the defense's left. I have zero idea. And I have watched this. So this is what linebackers do. Okay. Hold on, hold on yep. I'm going to just show this real quick. Yeah. Yeah. If we could draw that, it'd probably be a little better. The, the so what is happens here, is. Yep. And this is the puller. Yep, that's the puller. Yep, so he pulls, right, and then he's going to lead. Yep, I want to show it because the guy that pulls, mm-hmm. Maris is staring right at him. Brian, right that's, at him. That, that's my frustration. So linebackers, can you can either lead flow or you can read guards, right? Mm-hmm. On this play, I have no idea what Maris is looking at. They, I have zero they both idea. both taking the same direction. <laughs> right. Either you're reading the running back flow, which means that you're working to the defense's left, or – you're going to read that guard, and it's also going to take you to the defense's left for whatever reason. It's almost like Maris Loifau is cross-reading for the for the um, for the read for the pull off of the quarterback. I have no idea what this is. I have no idea what this is. As a lot as a former linebacker, yeah. I watched this play about six, six times, and I'm like, I have no idea what Maris Loifau is looking at. I have zero idea. I don't like Brian. I'm really trying to quantify this yeah. properly. Whether he's reading guard or he's reading flow, I have no idea why he he's read, why he's the going after the quarterback. Well, I know like it's like he's cross reading, right. but the and problem there, is that you can't cross read if there's no other inside linebacker there. <laughs> like one of two things happened here, Ryan. One is yes. he completely read it wrong, or two is he didn't know what the call was, and they're both bad. I actually think I actually think if he didn't know what the call was, that makes it even worse. Because like, how do you not know the call? I mean, everybody else got the call right. Like everybody yeah. else is blocking, you know. I mean, because like now, if he's here and he's crashing this hole, right? So then one of two things has happened. He takes on this guard, which then maybe forces this guy back. Well, now you've got a safety coming from over here and Benjamin Morrison coming back here to help you with to clean that up, right? Yep. And so, you know, those are the things you look at and you say, boy, those things just can't continue to happen, man. They just, they just can't. I mean, Brian, I want, I mean, First and foremost, and we're going to talk about it, you know, from just a general perspective of what. So when we're looking at this play, right, first and foremost, is that I think that there's a defensive issue here from an alignment perspective, right? We're a gap short 
to the front side, to what to the back side, excuse me. That's the first and foremost. The second is, is that if Maris Loifau thinks he's cross-reading, so for people that don't know what cross-reading is, one linebacker will have the play away and the other linebacker makes up for it on the other direction, right? So basically what I'm trying to say is here, if you have two linebackers, the quarterback is keeping away, that that player is going to read that, that quarterback, and then the other inside linebacker is going to read flow to him, right? So that makes up for the numbers issue. But here, you're short a gap, you're short numbers, and I have no idea what Maris is looking at. I have no idea. And this is the type of stuff that, again, when you start facing off against the – if you do this against Will Shipley, this ended up being like a eight-yard run, right? Like, okay, right. a good little run, but it wasn't like, wow, this stinks, right? Like you, you. This is like uh, demoralizing. When you go against a Will Shipley, that's a touchdown. When you go against a Travis sure. Die, that might be a touchdown. Sure. That's the difference. Sean, right hey, there. hey, look. There's a they. They play Syracuse before them. You're doing against that kid. It's Sean Tucker. It's a touchdown. I mean, he's Sean already Tucker's beaten for an eighty-yard touchdown yep. one. Here, here's the yep. thing, Ryan. Like, here's what would have made me say he's doing the right thing. If we would have seen this kind of action, right? Like something like this. You know, like something like that. Then that was said, okay, Maris is playing strong side. He's He has a stunt strong side. The reason that we, I don't believe that that was it is because nobody else – so either he got it wrong or everybody else did. And law, law of averages say it's the one person <laughs> not doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, like if, if, yeah. if you've got like a hard slant – some hard slants there, you know, like some really hard slant. I mean, okay, sure. Then I could have said, hey, you know, Maris was – Maris. then I could have understood him doing that, right? But – Jer- Jaron Hall, number one, Jaron Hall is not that kind of runner where they should have been doing that. And yeah. as I said, number two, nobody else, nobody else responded to that. So it's, it's just, it just, I, it just to me, it backs up that it was a, it was a mistake by, by him. So, and, and there was a decent amount of that. There's a decent yeah. amount of that game. <laughs> well, Brad, I, I pulled like four or five plays that were just linebacker. Plays. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to, you know. we're going to go to the touchdown run next, Ryan, yeah, and, and kind of walk through that one. Uh, sure. And then you can kind of, uh, get through that one. And then there are some good yeah. things that we're going to show, but there's obviously a couple things that were like, eh, not good. Yeah. So well, and this um, is again, this is, this could be viewed as a positive in my opinion, right? There's a lot wrong yet. You still held this team to 20 points. Yeah. You're still not held giving up touchdowns because your dudes are very good. Right. Yes, exactly. So on this play, I feel a lot better where we are, right? Alignment perspective looks good to me, right? We have all the gaps occupied. We're not a gap short. We're not a player short. We are good here, right? When you're looking at it, and this is from the offense's perspective, you see to the right offensively, you have a B gap. You have an A gap player in that linebacker. You have a B gap player in the defensive tackle. You have the defensive end to the offense's right that is playing head up on the tight end. So he has a two gap player at that point. You have the safety over top of the of the H back there, which is DJ Brown, and then you have Maris Loifel as the force player outside. You are good there. Backside, you're also good. You have a nose tackle there that is in the A gap occupying that backside linebacker is going to have backside B, and then you have the defensive end who has C gap. You are good, man. I have no issues with alignment. Right. You have, and, and of course, Ryan, we're just saying by alignment because you could do this. Right. But the point is that Ryan's making is you have someone to account for those gaps, whether whether you're doing this and that, whether you're doing this and that. The the point is, is these gaps are covered. 
somebody is there to account for those gaps. Yep. So please continue. Yep. And in, and in the previous situation, in the previous example, I did not like structurally how we were starting the playoff. Right, there was a gap short in my opinion, front side. This this play, we're good, man. We are good. So starting point is awesome. Now things unravel after <laughs> it does not get great. And this is actually not a whole linebacker issue in my opinion on this play. This was also a play. This is the touchdown run where number two kind of bent it to the sideline there. So there's a couple plays. There's a couple reasons that this play works for them. One is that they did Well, they did a good job blocking up front first and foremost. Let's start there. But what they happened is, is that this nose guard in this sequence is going to end up getting double teams, Brian. That's Gabriel Rubio. He gets he gets mauled at the point of attack when the, by the he double team. What he back. does, he gets yes. knocked back and then put on the ground. Yes, he gets put on the ground, and not only does he do that, the center and the guard also were able to take him right into JD yep. Bertrand and knock him yep. out of the play as well. He so they right. took out of two players. On this play, off of the double team, which is how you draw it up, man. That's why you combo. Was this to the JD or was level. was the, which one was JD? Which was it? Front front side to the strength. That's oh, JD. That's okay. Yep, and then that's that's gonna be Kaiser, who uh, backside, who's trying to come over uh, through the flow, but he just gets swap. Uh, he just is a little too slow to react there, right? So they double team up to the first level. I'm sorry, and Ryan, real quick, if, if you're asking yeah. him to make this play out here, a lot of crap went wrong. You're in trouble. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is not so, on Jack Kaiser. Yeah, no, it's not on Jack Kaiser. And I don't think this is actually on J.D. Bertrand either. Like, I think he no. could have been a little quicker to react on this. His trigger could have been a little faster. But this is, you know, defensive actually, I think line. if he would have reacted quicker, I think he might actually have gotten tripped up even more. Because he Maybe. ran right it's into possible. where they were driving Gabriel Rubio, in my opinion. Yeah. So, but anyway, I mean, you got that double team that just took two guys out of the play. And then, Brian, this one drove me crazy, man. DJ Brown on this play, number 13, who is Mason Wake. He's a fullback, H-back type, right? He runs just like a shallow cross, and DJ just follows him the whole way, man. It takes him out of the play. It was weird. I don't understand exactly. And if we could go to the, the post-snap play, you'll be able to see it. You'll actually see that DJ completely just followed this crossing route. So not only did your linebacker get taken up because your nose tackle did not do a good enough job pre-snap, but you also now have a linebacker that has trying to flow all the way across. He's never going to get there if you're Jack Kaiser. And your safety that's front side, DJ, who's a good run defender, is chasing a fullback across the field so that you are now another player short on the front side of this run, and it bends all the way to the sideline for six points. It was a strange play. It was a very strange play, Ryan. I I just... It's almost like they weren't ready when the ball was snapped. That's kind of what I felt like on this particular play. That they just weren't quite quite ready when the ball was snapped for some reason. It was very it was very strange. Let's show let's let's draw up the uh, what it looked like post snap. Yep. Sorry, I forgot oh, that fine. you sent me that. All right. So as you see, you can see right there, right. So perfect, perfect. <laughs> I mean, uh, that mass of you ha- so that mass of humanity that's in the middle there. You can see the center and number seventy one are both actually. Oh, Brian, I, I completely drew it up wrong, actually. So the center and the guard did not double team up to the second level. It was actually the guard and the backside tackle, which actually makes it worse because that's a tough reach block on the double team for yeah. Blake Freeland. So they are able to create that movement, and you can see 
right there. 71 is now taking out J.D. Bertrand on the play. Gabriel Rubo's already on the ground. This play started from about the 30-yard line, and Gabriel Rubo got pushed Mm -hmm. back to the 25, right? So he got displaced about five yards on that play. You can see right there. Yeah, because this was a 30-yard touchdown run, right? Exactly. Yep. So he got displaced about five yards, which made the linebacker get collision there. He's on the ground. And then, Brian, you could see it right there. Do you see DJ Brown chasing this play to the middle of the field? I have no No idea idea. what he's doing. I have no idea. There were some very strange plays from the secondary in this game against the run. Like the the draw play that went for set 20 on third and 17. Like Jaden Mickey is just not looking at the ball. He just runs right into the blocker as the running back is running right inside of him. And you're like, okay, fresh mistake. But then you see it here too. You know, like Mm – it just yeah, there was some very very puzzling stuff in this game, right? Very yeah, puzzling. And stuff and it's game. it's really frustrating too because if you look on the front side here, defensive tackle did a pretty nice job, right? Front side, like he takes up multiple blockers. Maris Loyfield actually does a good job being that contained player and setting a firm edge there. It's just when one or two players do not do their job, that's when touchdowns happen, man. That's when it happens. Well, so. and what do we say on offense? When you get blown up right up the middle, it's going to screw you up. It's the same thing as true yes. on defense. If your nose guard gets oh, yeah. dominated like that on a play, it's going to screw you up. I mean, you're going to have a hard time making a play. Now, Gabriel did a lot of nice things in this game. He's learning and evolving, and I think plays like that long-term are going to be good for him because, yep. you know, this isn't a kid that – look, Gabriel, y- y'all don't understand how – some well, the guys cover recruiting were Gabriel Rubio's numbers his last years in high school were just he had like over 60 tackles for loss. He was like <laughs> almost 30 sacks. I mean, he just was a dominant player because he was so much bigger and athletic than everybody he went against. Needs plays like this. And say, hey, look, just because you're 300 pounds doesn't mean you cannot move your feet off the ball. Doesn't you know what I mean? <laughs> like you got to bring it every play. Well, in the p- previous games, he was giving you like five snaps. So you were he was coming in with his hair on fire. Well, sometimes young guys, when they're playing more snaps, Ryan, and they had to because Cross wasn't playing and Lacey quit, he knew he had to play more. And sometimes young guys can say, I got to pace myself a little bit. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's a lesson learned that he'll get from it. It's kind of like what we talked about with Drew Pine. Like the interception was terrible, but he's going to learn from that. He's going to come back from that. And next time they run a play like that in that situation, he's probably, you'd hope that he's going to read it out and make the throw. Same thing for Gabriel here. He's going to know, like, look, man, I did not bring my feet. I did not do this. I did not do that. And I got my butt kicked, you know? Yeah. And if you know Gabriel Rubio, he's not going to take well to that. He's going to be a little it's ticked off, kid, and that's, where, that's what you want him to be. That's yeah. where you want him to be. And, and, Ryan, and we, I wanna... we've talked – sorry, I was just going to say, Brian, like, we've talked a lot about a lot of positives about Gabriel the last two weeks. I think that he's shown a lot of positive signs. It's just, again – Snap to snap consistency. It's something that needs yep. to be remedied, but it's he's heading in the right direction, so he'll be fine. Let's draw up a couple positives. Oh no, let's one more negative, Ryan. Got to do one more <laughs> negative because this let's play, I want this is a play that a lot of people have asked about. So I want to draw up the touchdown pass to, to uh, Cody Epps here real yes. quick. So let's draw that up and talk through what happened there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's bring this up. Yeah. So this is so- Cody Epps right here, correct? Yep, that's Cody Epps. So you have a two-by-two set here. You have the H-back front side. You have the the wide receiver up there, and then you have two wide receivers to the bottom of the screen. So like Brian said, the slot to the bottom of the screen is Cody Epps. So, Brian, I I mean, honestly, man, I drew this one up, and I'm I'm still a little confused as to what the coverage is supposed to be here, if I'm being completely honest. So what you have Mm -hmm. here, you have a single high free safety, you have the strong safety that is already rotated down right there. So you are in mm-hmm. a single high look. What happens here 
is that it looks like it's cover three to the bottom of the screen, or I'm sorry, cover, no, cover three to the bottom of the screen to me. That corner releases, and he has a zone turn, which means that he turns to the middle of the field. Covering deep thirds of the field. Yep, deep third. What happened, though, which is weird, though, Brian, is that that middle of the field safety kind of bit way over to like the hash instead of playing to the middle of the field, which was a little odd. So he, he goes that way. The, he went, no, he went to, he went back he went to the bottom of the go, screen. Go, yeah. Okay. So he goes, yep, here. so he went far inside there, which was odd to begin with, but both corners played it. Like it was cover three to me. That's what it looked like. And then you had what ends up being Jaden Mickey one-on-one with a Cody Epps inside. For my first mm-hmm. reaction is, where's the help inside? I, I, I'm just right. a little confused as to what this play was supposed to be. Because, again, it was like almost like a cover 23 for a second, right? It was like cover two to to the to uh, the uh, to the weak side, cover three to the front side. Almost like cover six, I guess, in that instance. But it was just – I don't know, Brian. Like, I'm still trying to figure it out, man. I, I think this was, this was a instance – and I, my number two key that I wanted to talk about a ton was – Defensive back-wise or coverage-wise, I should just say, as a whole, I feel like there's a lack of communication at times. And it's almost like different secondary members have different calls or that they think mm-hmm. they have different calls, which is – it's this looks like a complete coverage bust to me because what happens is is that you would basically end up having the corner at the bottom of the screen carries the vertical route. It's an outside vertical. The – Safety to the middle of the field also works to that vertical as well, to the bottom of the screen. You have backside, the receiver at the all the way at the top of the screen, he runs just like a, a, a deep comeback route to the sideline. So that corner basically ends up having him man-to-man. And then you have Cody Epps in the middle of the field there, who he runs kind of almost like a, a streak route, but he gives him a little stutter at the top of, of it and hits it right to the middle of the field. So what happens here? is that, again, Mickey basically is covering him man-to-man. He ends up in man-to-man coverage, and this is the one This is the one thing that we talked about even back to the spring, Brian, even back to fall camp. Jaden Mickey is a really aggressive football player who's going to be an excellent player at Notre Dame and has already done some really nice stuff during the first few weeks. But the one thing that has gotten him hurt is anytime there's a double move of any sort or any type of movement at the top of the stem, that gets him in trouble a little bit. So Cody Epps, it's not even a huge fake, man. Like he literally, no, he this is just like a little mini head nod. It's a little head fake, right. yeah. It's like it's a quick head fake outside, bends it back to the middle of the field. There's no safety in the middle of the field because he got he went all the way down down for the uh, for the vertical route to the bottom of the I wanna, screen. I want to I want to point something out here too, Ryan. Is his alignment yeah. is inside, right? Yep. So yep. the thing is, is he's protecting the inside with his alignment. The way he opens up, he he turns outside, right? Yes. And so the thing is, is like your alignment is protecting the inside, which means you know that's the side you can't let them get to, right? So if yep. the guy wants to go outside. outside, then you let him go. You know, you can't you you go with them, and then you get in trail. You know, he's got to, it, basically what Coach Freeman said today is he's got to he's got to carry the number two seam, right? And that mm-hmm. requires a little bit of patience because if this guy wants to run an out cut, then you react, react, react. Then once you see him make that break, then you, then you, you cover, you, you get downhill on him. What Jaden does is he kind of sits and lets the guy get on him, which I thought was kind of a, a mistake. And then that little nod gets Jaden to just bite it. And then he goes there, which 
if I'm another team, and we've talked about this, Ryan, if I see Jaden Mickey in the game, if I'm a head coach and I see 21 in the game and you haven't run some kind of double move on him within the first three snaps, I'm going off on my offense coordinator. Because he's know. he's gotten beat, what, three different games with that. Now, one game, uh, Marshall, right, beat him for a touchdown. It got called back because of a penalty. Mm-hmm. He got beat on a touchdown on a similar thing against Ohio State, and then he got beat for a touchdown here. So Jaden Mickey's a very talented player, but he's a young player, and this is what we talked about during the offseason. He's my biggest fear with Jaden Mickey. He's too aggressive. What did we say during the offseason? If I'm if I'm going to Jaden Mickey, I'm running a double move on him early on. We've said that. We've said that all along. So it's really important that they really remind him and get on him, and I know they have, about, mm-hmm. dude, be patient. I think that's the biggest thing with Jaden. Be patient, right? If this guy yep. wants to run a little quick out, fine. We're okay. You see it, you rally to it, you tackle him at five yards. What you can't do is vacate this. Can't. Yep. You can't. And 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 I I don't think he was the only – I think this is the point you're making, Ryan. Based on how they were playing, I don't think he was the only guy that made a mistake because no. No. I don't still know what that guy did on the play. It, I'm like, that's why – Who was he covering? He, he, he was just covering like curl, um, hook curl there. Like he was just working to, it right. was weird, man. I, again, like inside I'm not really... number two, I don't understand that. Like, I don't understand why he'd be doing that. Well, actually, no, I'm wrong. Two. I'm, I'm wrong, Brian. I'm wrong. That safety blitzed on this play. He oh, blitzed. that's the one. Okay. Yeah. That's he blitzed on that play. My mistake. <sighs> yep. This is where they brought the safety blitz. Yeah. Oh yep. my goodness. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Why, why I is it that they always time. do that when Jaden Mickey's in the game? Like you're putting that kid in a you're pretty terrible sell like, out. Oh. I mean, you know, come on, man. Come on yep. now. Yeah. So I, I think that was Jeez. DJ Brown. DJ Brown blitzed on this play. Again, though, but like it seemed like everyone was playing with cover three principles here, but except yeah. for the deep safety. I don't think that it's just Jaden yeah. Mickey Jaden Mickey on this play, either regardless. I, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know, man. Again, like I'm not really sure yep. what the coverage was because that middle of the field safety threw me through a loop watching his yeah. watching his drop on this play. That's weird. a bad thing, Ryan, when you're watching yeah. a game and you're not sure who um should have done something different. That's a because at first I'm bad, like it, it, yeah. I, I mean at first, Brian, I was like, okay, they're playing cover three to to the front side of the field, right? And then they're playing two backsides. So it's like cover six, right? Yeah. But even then, man, I just don't know why that safety right. was so quick to get over to the numbers. Right. Like I don't understand why, especially with a I mean you have a two by two set, right? So you have that 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 inside receiver. You need to you need to split the difference on those two, man, working to the sideline. Mm-hmm. You can't just run directly to the sideline. That's why it was bizarre, man. It's really bizarre. So let's do some good stuff, Ryan, and we're going to start off with let's a goal line play. Yep, uh, with Jason Adamiola. So we're going to go here. Yep, and so uh, my, talk us through what happened. Yep. Uh, so my my third big key of this game was when Notre Dame attacks, they are a good football team, man. They really are. So this play, and Brian Brian kind of already quantified it up a little bit, right? When Notre Dame's on the goal line, they're a good team. I don't know what it is, man. They're defensively, they play some good football. So again here, we're gap sound across the board. See, to the left side, the defense is left. You have Maris Loifau, who's a contained player, the C-gap player there. You have number nine, who's Justin Adam Alola, who's going to end up being a – he's two-gapping technically, but he's going to end up being a B-gap player on this team on this play. 
You have number 57 to his right that nose, which is Jason Adamolola. Then you have Gabriel Rubio, who's in a two technique, head up on the guard on the front side there. And then you, which, so he's two gapping. Jack Kaiser's behind him. He's going to have whichever gap ends up being not occupied by Gabriel right. Rubio. So he's got, he's going to run make fit. Him he's right. fitting yep. off of Gabriel Rubio. Yes. Yep. So if Gabriel Rubio ends up being an A gap player there, then Jack becomes a B. If Gabriel Rubio, Rubio ends up being a B gap player, then Jack ends up being an A gap player. And then front side, you have Nano Safamensa, who's the C gap player. You also have number two, DJ Brown, as the force player because there's a H back in this game. And then Brandon Joseph, you can see at the goal line there as well. So again, Brian, you're good here, man. Everything looks good. Assignment sound. And this ends up being a really good football play. And I wanted to highlight this one because this was one of the best plays I have seen of Jason Adamolola all season, man. He did a tremendous job. And it was a good job across the board. When you kind of see the, the second shot here in a second, you're going to see that everyone occupies and does their job accordingly. There's no nothing fancy about this one, right? Like there's no slanting. There's no you know stunts up front. There's nothing. Everyone is just occupying their gap and doing great stuff. Jason Adamolola, folks, if you could see him occupying that center, he basically ends up slanting across that guy's face. That running back, they're running just inside zone to the defense's right. And what Jason does is that he creates such easy and good penetration here. He takes that center and he gets him on the, in the running back's way. He destroys the track where now that running back has to stop, plant, and then try to fight backside. But the problem is, is that backside, you now you have his brother, Justin Adamolola, come in to make the play. So this is a play where Jason doesn't get the tackle. He doesn't get the credit. He doesn't get the glory. He doesn't get the box score. doesn't get anything. But he sets up his brother for an easy tackle for loss here because he created such great penetration to the front side of the play. It was very well done. It was one of two big plays that he had in this game, which is part of the reason why uh, I named him the defensive player of the game for Notre Dame. Is his production wasn't and like he didn't have like, like two tackles. I think yeah. is all he had in the game. But man, he made some big time plays in this game. He really did. He's, and the play that we're not going to, yeah, and the play we're not going to talk about is on the safety blit. On the, the safety uh, that Jack Kaiser. Jack Kaiser made a great play on that, but that play works because of Jason Adamiola. Meaning Jack was coming from a little bit of depth. If if. Jaron Hall just drops back and throws that ball on rhythm. The ball's out, and then Jack hits him after the throw. That play works because Jason just drove the guard right into Jaron Hall and made Jaron Hall have to – he was getting ready to throw, and then the guy's in his face. He's got to stop throwing, and then that's when Jack Kaiser comes from behind and blows him up. You know, So, yes, it was – Jack Kaiser did his job and did a great job, but but my point is, is that it doesn't happen. It's like the strip sack we talked about Cincinnati last year. Isaiah Foskey made a great play on that, but it doesn't happen if Alexander Ehrensberger doesn't get his hands up and force Desmond to take the ball down. You know, it's sometimes yep. it's somebody else doing their job at a high level that then allows the impact play to happen. And that was kind yep. of my uh, my point on that. There's another play. Go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say, Brian, and like how this defense it functions, right? This gap, one gap penetration style defense. It's those types of plays, man. Because again, he might not get credit for the play. He might not get credit for the tackle. But what Jason Adamolola did on that play was so impactful. And he created absolute mayhem 
and chaos. And what you do against like zone blocking, right? Against the zone run is when a running back has to be forced to make a decision and not make a decision because of what he's reading. That's when you really mess up those types of plays. So again, just hats off to Jason Abelola, man. He made a great play on that. Last play we're going to bring up here and break down. This has been so much fun. This was the first play of the game and a big play of the game, Ryan. So let's talk about, uh, I thought this was very interesting, kind of what they showed pre-snap, what they did post-snap, all that. So why don't you talk people through that? Yeah, so this is um, this is a vertical concept from the, the offense here. So no, BYU came out, Brian, and they were like, we want to try to hit you hit with deep shot here. So yep. this is the interception for Tariq Bracey on the first play of the game. So you actually see here, Tariq Bracey has made his living as a slot defender so far this season. He actually started this football game out into the field side cornerback here to the bottom of the screen. So all that it's nothing fancy, man. Two outside verticals. They're trying to hit something deep. They have that H back that ends up running kind of like a, a delayed seam route, too. So he almost becomes like almost like a safety blanket type of player, a late read there. They're literally just trying to take a shot and take advantage and create a big play on the fir- on the first play of the game. And Notre Dame counters perfectly, if we're being honest, right? They end up running cover three on this play. So what happens is that the boundary safety there, which is Brandon Joseph, he is going to rotate to the middle of the field on this play. And then what happens is DJ Brown is the field free, um, the field safety, excuse me. He's going to rotate down into being a curl flat. He's going to end up being a curl flat defender. Actually, uh, sorry, a hook curl defender. Hook curl, yeah. You're going to have the yeah, you're going to have the curl flat defender outside there. Yep. So easy enough, folks. Notre Dame gets good pressure with four here. They did a nice job. It's not let a me crazy ask you this question, Ryan. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. If you're the yes. quarterback and you see this yep. look. What are you thinking they're running? The structure of this. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think Notre Dame did a great job all game on this, Brian. That's one thing that I think they really did a good job defensively is they were rotating a lot post-snap. So right now you have two high safeties. So two high safeties tells me cover two, cover four. That's what I'm saying, right? right? It's going to be it's going to be an even number. That's two. Cover two. That's two. It's going to be cover. And then that, that would be four. Yep. So that's what my eyes tell me. What Notre Dame does is that they show the too high look pre-snap and then post-snap they rotate. So at the beginning of the play, the quarterback is assuming, hey, I'm going to have some type of t- too high coverage. going to have it. And then what happens is that Brandon Joseph doesn't even really get involved in this play because Notre Dame gets enough pressure that for whatever reason, Jaron Hall just short-armed this ball. Not exactly sure well, why. Another thing, too, was- is, is I think Notre Dame kind of baited him a little bit into this, too, Ryan, because if yeah. they're showing a cover two look, but this safety is way inside over the middle of the field, right? So it's going to be really hard for that guy to get out from 10, 11 yards off the ball over top of that, right? Yeah. And then you've got a one-on-one to a five foot ten against a five foot ten corner, yep. right? But what at the snap, Tariq opens up and just gets inside of him. That's what let me yes. know is cover three, Ryan, because he stayed inside of him the whole time, which is how you properly yep. play cover three. The reason for that is, is if this guy gets up the seam and they throw the seam, then the corner can squeeze down in on that seam, mm-hmm. right, which is why you play it that way. So, yep. but yes, really good disguising, Ryan. And you're correct. They did a pretty good job of that the whole game. Yeah, I thought so. There was, I mean, for the most part, I thought they were in two high shells, a large portion of the game, but it wasn't always ends up being a too high look. They rotated really good around amount uh, post-snap in this football game, which was great to see. And just an awesome play by Tariq Bracey. Like you said, Brian, he Mm -hmm. 
he gets inside leverage. He's able to run. When he's able to do that, man, he's a really good football player. Underthrown yeah. ball, and he's able to finish at the catch point for the huge play. And I mean, what a start to the game for Notre Dame. You defer, yeah. they get the ball, first play of the game. Your guy that's probably been your best defensive player pretty consistently throughout the season makes a big play to start the football game. Yep. You know, I think sometimes they maybe do a little bit too much of that, which is what's causing some of the confusion. But the reality is, is there are two things they can do. One is they can kind of scale some of this back. But then number two is the more these kids play in this defense, the more they're going to not have those mistakes too, right? We saw this a little bit last year with Marcus Freeman is where you'd see these really silly mistakes that would lead to big plays. But then you got to the end of the season and they were much more comfortable and confident in what they were doing in the new scheme. And then they were, they eliminated a lot of those mistakes, right? Like even against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State didn't beat Notre Dame because they were blowing coverages. They just flat out outplayed Notre Dame. But we didn't see the, we didn't see the big place happening because of, oh, gee, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Like we saw early in the year. You know what I mean? It was missed, it was missed tackles and stuff like that. But it wasn't like, oh, gee, they didn't know what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They just didn't stop it. Right. So I think, you know, I think that's the other thing is I think we'll see them clean some of this stuff up, even if they don't scale it back at all, which I, I, I mean, we, we both agree they should. That's why I think the linebackers struggle as much as they do and why we yeah. do see these blown assignments in games. But just the more experience is going to allow them to get there, you know, and that's kind of a big part of 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 where I'm at with that one. So. Ryan, that is that is going to do it for the X's and O's breakdown of this part of the show. We do have a couple Q&A things that we're going to get to here uh, because we want to be able to, um, you know, answer some of the, the the chats. I want people to understand, like, just so people uh, know, we do not do a mailbag after this show. This is just let's break it down and let's just do, a, you know, get some some really good insight over there and, and, and move on. But when people send super chats, we're always going to we're always going to answer your super chats. So. I do want to just let people know that we're going to three super chats. We're going to answer them and then we're going to get out of here because Ryan's had a long day of shows today. So did a great job on the earlier show and now we're doing a great job on this one. So we did have a super chat from Chris Irish young. Thank you for that. Chris Notre Dame offense has scored only six points. I have a story coming up about this tomorrow. Notre Dame offense has only scored six points in the first quarter all season. How in your eyes can Tommy script the early offense offense plays to get more points to start out the game? I don't know if the script's the problem, Ryan. It's just execution is the problem mm-hmm. for me. Uh, you know, you had first drive against Ohio State. You go right down the field, first play of fifty four yards, and then you, you know you're, you're you don't execute in the red zone. And I, I didn't love the play calling necessarily. Yeah. This game, same thing. You get the pick. You go right down the field. You get inside the ten, and, and you miss, and you have to settle for a field goal. I think the issues have been execution more than anything. And, and so just play better. You know, I don't know if the script is necessarily an issue for me, Ryan, as much as it's just, you're not executing. I mean, like for example, the cow game, the script had guys open on like first couple plays of the game. And then, you know, Drew throws one into the ground and, you know, he just misses guys, right. Execute better. Right. I think that's really a bigger thing for me. Uh, but they got it now. Are there some things maybe they can look at and say, hey, you know, are are we coming out personnel wise? We may throw too much. We run it too much. You know, can we maybe go tempo a little bit? I mean, what can we do? You got to find some of those answers. And then, of course, you start two games with one quarterback and then the, the next three games with a different quarterback. And each quarterback is going to have his own, you know, early game things that you got to work through. Some guys are too amped up. Some guys you got to amp them up. Some guys, you know, are just 
whatever the case may be. And so you're, you're also learning with two quarterbacks. And the thing that hurt him the first three games really is line play. Yeah. I mean, even the first drive against Cal, third down, and you just guy runs through on a four-man pressure, three-man pressure. No, four-man pressure. Remember the Mike, Mike Fire just runs through and you just you got no way there. So just bad execution is really the yeah. thing for me. But it's got to get fixed because, you know, six six points in five games. That's really I, bad. It's, yeah, and, and it's not, not nearly good enough. No. Stephen F. with a super chat. What are you guy, your guys' thoughts on the uh, linebacking core? I feel we need more athleticism, especially with Clemson approaching. I just want to say something real quick, Ryan. I don't think athleticism is the problem. Agreed. I think they're not playing to their athletic ability. Maris Lewifald, and you know, I don't know if he he just doesn't look right to me still. And I think yep. it's part the hamstring, but also I think the biggest thing is just just thinking too much. JD yep. Bertrand did not get slower than he was last year. Is it's it's not an athleticism thing to me. I think there's a size issue with JD and Jack when they're both in the you know inside together at times, but it's just they're just not playing well. I mean. Mm-hmm. They're just not playing well. Uh, yeah. Now, does that mean that they can't that they need they need to get more athletic in general? You know, JD Bertrand's athletic enough to be a good player at Notre Dame, but then Drake Bowen takes it to a different level. Jaden Osbury yes. takes it to a different level, right? Jalen Sneed takes it to a different level, You're, and that's what they're doing. But those kids, in their coach's view, right or wrong, just aren't ready yet. So, uh, agree overall. Yes, they need to get new do need to get more athletic at linebacker. But that's not the thing that's hurting them right now. Agree, in my 100%. opinion. No, I think Agreed. I think it's the uh, I think it's the speed of the eyes, not the speed of the body. If I'm being the brain, honest, yeah, eyes like and brain just, are slowing down yes. the feet. Correct, hundred percent. Now, does now to his point, to Stevens' point, the linebacker play has to get a lot better. No doubt. By the time that. they play Clemson, a lot better. Or that's, no doubt about they're going to make that offense look be- look better than I think that it is. Yes. Milton fan 15 with a, also a super chat. Thank you for that very, very much, Milton. He says, uh, post-game show, Vince doing caveman voice talking about how NBC box can't get the line of scrimmage right had me in tears laughing. Yeah, yeah, was, that was a fun show. That was a As, fun show. Aside from Vince being incredibly smart football-wise, he's also yeah. the uh, the comedian of the bunch as well. Yes, he is. He's a very funny guy. And you well, and you learned – you actually have – I was going to say, wait till you get to hang out with them, but you did when we went out to dinner that first time you were in town during the spring. So yep. uh, very good dude, very funny dude. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. He's got a great laugh too, that real deep belly laugh that Vince has got. I love it. He's got that, and then Sean has the silent laugh. Have you noticed the difference between those two? Like Sean's like my dad. My dad and my uncle both are that way. They'll laugh and they'll just shake like this, but they don't actually make noise. <laughs> You know what I mean? Sean's that way. Sean will just like be laughing, but you're Sean not Sean does anything. do that. That's funny. Yeah. I yeah. never and noticed then that. Vince has that very loud belly laugh. It's just really funny that they have those two uh, complete dichotomy. And you've got the giggle. <laughs> you know I what I mean? Like, me? I don't pretty funny. Yeah. 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 I have it on tape. Remember, you? <laughs> <laughs> I got it right there. <laughs> awesome. Great. <laughs> All right. But yes, this was a, this was a fun show. Ryan, great, great stuff, man. Uh, I really enjoyed this very, very much. Uh, we'll be back to being on track to do this next Sunday. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the all 22 is there a little bit, but I think now you guys understand why we waited today. I think it's just so much better. We can show you the all 22 shots of these clips as opposed to trying to hope that, because like we can do it with the NBC film, but I got to show you the pre-snap look and say, okay, 
I, I know the safeties aren't on here, but this is where they would have been. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then there's all the other stuff on there. I just think this is a cleaner, better product. So hopefully you all agree. And, uh, you know, of course, I, I had a blast doing this. So we'll be back tomorrow, Ryan. Uh, you and I will be doing a show at one o'clock tomorrow. We're going to talk Stanford and we're going to talk about what Stanford is, but we're going to look at it from the standpoint of, of how they've changed over the years and how those changes have really caused their program to, to go in the hole. Uh, did you see the way that game ended on Saturday night? I just saw the final score 2027. Go watch the last play of the game. Actually, you know what? While I'm doing the outro, I want to see your facial reaction as you watch it. So pull it up right now and right. go look at the last play of the Stanford-Oregon State game okay. and just see how they lost. But So tomorrow, 1 o'clock, Ryan and I will break down Stanford. We'll kind of look at you know where they are. They're 1-4 and four right now, kind of look at who they've played, how they've played, just some uh, initial intro into their overall team stats. But we're going to talk kind of big picture because – you know, this is a rivalry that that Stanford really dominated at the first six, seven years of Brian Kelly's tenure. The Notre Dame has dominated in recent years. It hasn't even been a close game the last few times. And just kind of, you know, just why? How'd they get here? And, and dive into some of those different things. And then, of course, on Wednesday, we'll dive into a statistical matchup of this game and just kind of look at the, how the two teams kind of stack up on paper, where Notre Dame has advantages, where Stanford might be able to present some some advantages. I'll give you a little hint. Uh, size at corner at receiver uh, is going to be a big part of the success that they have and should have. And we'll talk about how losing E.J. Smith has really hurt this offense because the run game looked a whole lot different when E.J. Smith was in the game. He's out. We'll dive into kind of what they're doing defensively. So we'll have a lot of stuff to discuss in tomorrow, tomorrow and Wednesday show. Of course, Thursday, we'll break down keys to the game. Friday, we'll have our game predictions. And then Saturday, it's going to be about 3.30 Eastern. On campus, if you're going to be in town that day, you're going to want to find. You're going to want to find me. We'll send, we'll let you know the location. We get closer. It's going to be somewhere over near, uh, you know, on campus, kind of in the center of campus a little bit. Maybe one of the far sides. I'll I'll let you know. Dropping some hints. But we're going to do a, a special live show from campus, at, and we'll start at th- about three thirty on Saturday. So you're going to want to be there. We want all the Irish breakdown people to be there. We're going to have some fun. Uh, it's, it's going to be worth, trust me, it's going to be worth it for you being there. You're definitely going to want to be there. So I uh, want to thank Ryan did a great job today. As always, did you see the play? I did. I did. Is that That's, not just uh, the most awful way to lose a game? Like, what are you doing? It's just, I just, I just it's not don't good. Even know. I just don't it's even know. It's not man. good. It's yeah. not good. So we'll, we'll yeah. talk about all that tomorrow. So anyway, uh, stay locked in everybody. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast platform, please give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Check out the website at irishbreakdown.com. And of course, oh, I did want to, uh, for the people who are members, if you are a member of Irish Breakdown and you are using PayPal, uh, by the end of the year, we will have PayPal completely removed from our platform. Uh, so you may want to try to transition into a different format at some time at some point in time because we are moving away from PayPal to where we are not going to be uh, uh, having a partnership with them in any way moving forward. So just giving you a heads up, if you are a member of the board, that that is coming down the pike too. want to make sure the people aren't caught off guard when that when that move happens. So for Ryan, that guy right there, I'm Brian. Have a great rest of your night, everybody, and we will talk to you again very, very soon.